it started really, I was eight years old. I went to the Bradford Lambra. I watched Cats, the musical, and I was all in, knew what I wanted to be from that very moment. I wanted to be in the profession of musical theatre, be a performer, dance. And that's what I became obsessed with for a very, very long time. Until, like was mentioned, I was actually in a, a musical called We Will Rock You. And I was head banging on stage one night, as you do, uh, ruptured two discs in my neck. That was the end of my career. It just stopped in that moment. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe, and you're listening to the Growth Tribes podcast with Dr. Rowe and Harms. This is the podcast where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to develop and record these podcasts is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine sincere hope, that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have gained at least one insight that you can take away and apply directly into your own life practical tools, voices that come in from both generations, the younger generation with tips and tools and the older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience so that you can help unlock your true potential to give the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level and to give you a chance to impact both your lives and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. Welcome to the Growth Tribes podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. We are at a time of extreme change. That is for certain and that's what we know for sure. It is also a time when as an individual or as individuals, we can easily sit back and just hope, fingers crossed, that something will happen in our favor, something will happen for us by chance. Whereas our guest today made a conscious choice to do the opposite of that and create an incredibly successful business. And as you know, our philosophy here at the Growth Tribes podcast has always been to look at great leaders and inspirational people and draw on their qualities and characteristics. By modeling these characteristics as individuals, we can emulate those same characteristics in our own lives no matter the circumstance and no matter how extreme the change is required of us. It is our sincere hope that by listening to today's episode, especially if you are a woman, a female, a mother, or know a female, you know, your partner could be female, who feels like right now is a challenging time which they just can't see past, then our guest today will without a doubt inspire you to look beyond the now. Ah, Ro, before we continue with the podcast, whilst it's on top of mind, because I want to leave this podcast and this recording and this episode completely uninterrupted because the guest that we have today is going to incredibly inspire you, motivate you, and almost give you a roadmap. My gut feeling is they're going to give you a roadmap to success and also how to approach success and that's my gut feeling because I'm aware of the amazing things that our guest has done today and Rose is going to introduce them in a moment but whilst it's top of mind if you love episodes like this that myself and Ro and the amazing guests that join us are producing, developing, 
editing for your listening, your learning, and your inspiration, then please head to growthtribes.com and become a supporter of the podcast. I've had a few questions to elaborate on this and what does that mean? Well, in simple terms, becoming a Growth Tribe supporter is exactly the same as becoming a Patreon and supporting a piece of work, a podcast, a video production, whatever it is that you enjoy in life that you consume for free, this is a great time to say, I want to support these people doing the work. So let's narrow it down. We have the same supporter system set up for the Growth Tribes listeners. So if you want to become a Growth Tribe supporter, all you need to do is go to growthtribes.com and on that website, it's really clear on how to become a supporter. Now, what's a special bonus for if you become a supporter It is that we've given you access to different perks depending on what supporter level you are in. So as well as the feel-good factor of supporting the Growth Trubs podcast and sharing this amazing message that the guests bring to the table, that Ro brings to the table, and if I do say so myself, sometimes I bring to the table. But that being said, the perks are a bonus for you in addition to that feel-good factor. So go and explore them. Go and decide what level of perks you want, and you can start supporting the Growth Shrubs podcast from as little as one pound a month. And it's as simple as that. And we would value your support, whether it's one pound a month, five pound a month, 15 pound a month, whatever it is, that's up to you. And we would appreciate the gesture regardless. So now that's cleared up what the Growth Shrubs supporters is all about, how to do it, and the special bonus perks that you get for being a supporter, let's get back to the podcast. So Ro, over to you. Please say hi to the listeners and please introduce our special guest today. (laughs) Thank you. So first of all, thanks for joining us on the Growth Tribes podcast. I am super pumped because the guest that we've got on today, gosh, Sarah, I think I've probably known you six, seven, eight years. I've lost track actually how long. We have Sarah Dunning, who is an amazing human being. I'm going to read you a little bit of a description first of Sarah, but I'm going to add to that my own personal description. And then I'm actually going to hand over to Sarah to maybe ask us to take us through her journey a little bit first before we get into some more formal questions. So Sarah grew up in Yorkshire. Uh, She's got an amazing accent. I spent nearly 10 years in Yorkshire, so it's nice to hear a Yorkshire accent on here today, Sarah. She trained as a professional dancer. And in fact, when my daughter was uh, around four, three or four, I was asking her for some tips on this. She worked in musicals for several years before an injury brought an end to that career in 2008. At a crossroads, not knowing what to do next. And by chance, she was introduced to an opportunity in network marketing and that she knew nothing about. And, and if you're listening to this, many of you may have come across this before. And often when we come across something new, the easiest thing to do is to say, I don't know anything about that. I'm going to walk away. But you know, that was not the case for Sarah. She made a decision to look into it. It ended up changing completely the trajectory of her life. And, you know, I can just say from observation, and I've traveled all over the world, I meet people wherever I go that seems to know who Sarah Dunning is. (laughs) She's a proud mum of three children, and she has a fiance, Kevin. And Sarah 
how do I describe square? Let me try and describe it from my perspective. If you've ever pulled up to a traffic lights and you're sat there and on one side of you is a dragster car with all the bells and whistles, it's pumping out huge amounts of sound, it's revving up and the lights are about to go green. On the right hand side, you've got this slick looking car, seems pretty understated, a bit like my Tesla. And you know, it, it looks amazing, but nothing flashy in the way it's appearance and the light goes green. All of a sudden, at the right-hand side of your eyes, you see the understated car disappear into the background. Meanwhile, that big, flashy, revved-up dragster car on the left is still pumping out smoke and trying to catch up. <laughs> Sarah's the car on the right. She is so understated and yet incredibly successful as a woman. Hopefully, you don't mind me describing <laughs> you as a car, Sarah. <laughs> I, um, I love it. Words, words that come to mind when I think of Sarah, I get goosebumps saying this, and how many will vouch that? Look at my arm. It's oh, wow. She has got an immense amount of humility. And yet, in my mind, and bear in mind, I've stood on the stage with some of the most successful people in the industry of public speaking and in front of a large audience. Sarah is right up there as one of the most successful network marketers in the world. And yet she lives this incredibly balanced life. She is humble by nature. She has all these great qualities and you only see them if you get close to her. But we've brought her close to you today on this podcast. So she's given up time away from her kids and her fiance and her business to be here today. Sarah Dunning, it's an absolute pleasure to have you join us. Thank you, lady that goes off at the green lights. In an instant. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. That was really kind. Kind love that introduction. Really kind. <laughs> Sarah, did could you, because obviously I know you well, Harminda has heard about you many times over the years and your name's come up in conversations in the past, he and I. Sarah and I, just for anyone interested to know, we met through the industry that I'm in. She's an avid learner. So mm. I was actually uh, speaking at an event. She was at the event taking notes. I was teaching on a subject of real estate as a successful entrepreneur and businesswoman. She also, I think, realized it's important to diversify. So mm. you know, there's an audience of 60 or 70 people in the room. She's there with smoke coming off her paper. And this is a very successful woman already. And even whilst we were there, people were making excuses of why they couldn't get into property, for example. And Sarah's saying to them, listen, if you walk out of here, you're never going to do this. Do you remember those conversations, Sarah? <laughs> I still remember that. I was telling that story to somebody yeah, recently. Totally. I remember that. I do, yeah. And I've been privileged to go and speak at some of the conferences and events uh, that are linked to her network marketing business, which has been a pleasure as well. Uh, but a lot of people don't necessarily know Sarah and her story. So would you mind opening up a little bit to us here on the podcast and starting by taking us back in time tell us, tell us a little bit about your journey that's brought you to this point yeah of course so I like I said in the introduction I was a, a professional dancer so I trained for, for several years to work in that industry and it started really I was eight years old I went to the Bradford Lambra I watched Cats the musical and I was all in knew what I wanted to be from that very moment I wanted to be in the profession of musical theatre be a performer dance and that's what I became obsessed with for a very very long time until like was mentioned I was actually in a, a musical called We Will Rock You and I was head banging on stage one night as you do no way. Away. yeah <laughs> uh, ruptured two discs in my neck that was the end of my career. It just stopped in that moment. And, you know, I was employed, which meant my income stopped in that moment as soon as that disc slipped and moved back in 2008 to London. I was actually in a beer garden in Chiswick. I don't know if anyone knows Chiswick. Talking to a friend, just, you know, saying, I don't really know what I'm going to do with my life. I am at a complete crossroads. I was really clear on what I didn't want to do. 
I knew I didn't want to sit in an office. I knew I didn't want to do the standard nine to five sort of job, but I really didn't know what it looked like to me because all I'd ever known was dance. So, so if we back up a minute, so what, two questions in my mind, one is what was the journey in your youth? Did you come from a successful entrepreneurial background to start with where your parents like already hugely successful and they just implanted this mindset to you or, or yeah. was it uh, your classic Yorkshire family that just worked very hard with great qualities and great values? Definitely the second. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yorkshire family, working class, but like you said, taught me the most the greatest lessons of basically work ethic you know even my parents now they're actually at my house now (laughs) you know they're finding jobs to do like they're they're always working always they never stop and they've got that you know that that work ethic in them now even in their retirement years so yeah taught me those great values of integrity and my dad is one of my biggest role models he's I always say it's like he's read a hundred hundreds of books but he's never picked up one personal development book but he just leads with um, seeing the best in other people and always you know living by your truth and doing what you should be doing even though no one's watching like that sort of stuff <laughs> wow sounds like he's got an old soul one of those yeah. souls that's just naturally definitely has got an old soul did that play out into your dance career did you, would you say that that's what helped you in that early stage that that level of discipline and yeah totally and assistance. I think success in business on reflection is so parallel with with being a professional dancer you really do have to have that level of of discipline and you don't have a boss you know you don't have someone telling you you have to be there at nine you have to be somewhere and do something you have it's all completely self-motivated so you know you have to get to a dance class to keep yourself fit and in shape and at the top of your game because the reality is and I knew this when I when I did go to dance college eventually I when you when I was in that room I had to be in the top 10 percent of that room I had to be the best in the top 10% mm. because if I wasn't in that room there was no chance in the the big you know scary outside um, professional world so I'd always had that I've always had that I have to get into the top 10% I have to do what others are willing to do I don't want to be mediocre I want to choose options that are making me way more than average and in that top 10% so and I think that's a great quality and and I and then knowing you that's not to do with ego it's just about knowing that in order to get to that level of success you have to put yourself in that percentage yeah it's totally not about ego I think it's just and it's easy to see in front of your day to day when you look at others and you just think they, the average person isn't willing to do so if you can just see that around you happening just choose <laughs> to do that a little bit more you know it's a slight edge the difference so yeah, that's that's really the the background I came from, and um, I, so Chiswick. Just so Chiswick, what? Why did you know what you didn't want to do? Because you would have been what age by then? I was twenty seven when I got my right, injury. So, yeah. so Harminda, that's the sort of that, that's our millennial listener. That is so. our millennial age. <laughs> Fascinatingly, that's that was my big turning point when I was about twenty five to twenty seven. Yeah, and I shifted over to real estate because I also did not like the idea having actually worked in it a nine to five. So that's just fascinating mm. in terms of an age point. Yeah, totally. And I, I think I, you, you start to change the way you think a little bit. You're like, well, I did anyway, in my late twenties, you start to think a bit further beyond the tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. um, start to think, well, what, you know, at that point I didn't own a house. And to me, that was something that I really want to achieve. And I was thinking, how am I ever going to be able to just save a deposit for a house? How am I ever going to be able to get on the property ladder? How am I ever going to, I just couldn't see what the answer to that was at that time and I knew it wasn't what everybody else was doing because that wasn't working either (laughs) yeah for a lot of people so what happened next then in Chiswick at that point there you said there was a conversation happening yeah my friend who I used to go to dance college with said he'd just heard about this company that just launched into the UK it sounded brilliant the opportunity sounded great 
And I was just so open to opportunity. I think I think I've always been relatively open to things. Um, and like you say, an, an avid learner, I have. I, I'm so open to constantly learning and wanting to know more and become better and be the best version of myself. Really, so I was just always open to hearing anything that people had to offer. And I think I trusted myself as well. That was another big point, I suppose. Mm. I think you can be open when you trust yourself to know that I'll be confident enough to say no if it's not for me. And I often find that sort of sometimes people are a bit hesitant to hear more or be open, don't necessarily trust that they'll make the right choice themselves. But I thought, yeah, I'll hear this and I'll know whether it's for me or not. And I'm I- going to jump in, by the way, and just say if anyone is listening to this has got a pen and paper, do take notes. I know for a fact Harminder is taking notes even now uh, because you're going to find, as Sarah's talking, there's loads of tiny little nuggets. And that word trust is huge, isn't it, Sarah? I think it's yeah. one of the big challenges for people at that age as well, yeah. particularly if you're on your own and you know this is a new world for you. It's like uh, you, you start to second guess yourself and then you step back from the opportunity. Totally. Yeah, really. And, and that's what I found in the industry that I'm in, in network marketing, you often see that and it's such a shame because I, I really understand what it is as an opportunity. And I did actually, so from just going back to that, you know, that conversation in Chiswick and I just thought I'm going to go meet, see what this is all about. So I went to, I went to meet someone that is a stranger at the time, complete stranger. And he's actually now a dear friend. And he explained to me all about the opportunity, the company that I'm still with today, 12 years on. And it, ju- it just made, I can only describe it as it made complete sense. It was one of those moments where from the moment I heard it, I thought, I'm, this is what I'm born to do. This is my destiny. And it was a knowingness. Yeah. Wow. That's lovely. That word as well is important, isn't it? Because it's that, it's that inner voice. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, beyond, it's beyond your head. It's beyond your head. It's yeah. like a soul feeling. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So got really, from that moment, I mean, I just was so full of hope and excitement and possibilities, what this could become for me. And actually then looking back to that summer of 2008, I had no idea what it would become. <laughs> you know, it's become so much more than it than I initially thought it would be. But I was just so yeah. excited. I was excited for a new challenge to learn something new to become more. Yeah. And that's where it all began, really. And, and, and from your perspective, was it a case of just picking up books, audios, uh, going, listening to people, modeling people? What, what took you from a dancer with uh, damaged neck to, you know, one of the most successful network marketers in the world? What was the process going through your head? I know we're going to probably dig into this as we go through, but just just broadly. Yeah, not not only a damaged net, but damaged self-esteem as well. (laughs) Very good point. That's probably more, that's the the one that's the toughest one to deal with. Yeah, totally. And being in that industry as a performer, most people, you know, might go for one job or change the job every year or two years As as a performer several times a day you're going into a situation where someone's telling you you're not good enough or you need to do more of this or you don't look right so it's constant it's tough on them on your self-worth and self-esteem so at that point I I didn't realize at the time but I really was rock bottom self low self-worth really as a person to just I'm an introvert by nature I was painfully shy as a child and I've just found something that I love in dance so I did that and people often say to me now, you, you know, you used to dance on stages. It must have been, it must be easy for you to be able to, to speak on stage. And I honestly can say, I couldn't think of anything worse. If someone had told me when I started my business that I'd have to speak on stage in front of 
20,000 people, which we do at our annual conference, I would, mm. I would have avoided it at all costs because I, for me, that, that was just the most petrifying thing. So I had a long way to go. But I also realized that I was very aware of it, had a heightened awareness. As I watched the people around me that were having success, I could see what I was missing that they had. Okay. Mm. Can I ask you, for our listeners that may not be aware of what it looks like, they can't necessarily put a label on it. What were some of the characteristics of low self-worth? What Just for someone listening, so they're aware of it, so they can start to work on it, what yeah. would be the sort of signs? Um, well, for me, what springs to some random things, but you know, if I used to go out for dinner, I didn't want to, even with friends and close people that I knew, I would be the quiet one just listening. I didn't feel confident mm. enough to speak up and, have a co- and say my own opinion. I just used to be a people pleaser. I just agree with what everyone else was saying. I was highly mm. apologetic if for no reason I'd find myself saying I'm so sorry about that oh so sorry 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 and and, you know sometimes I just think I don't know why I've just said sorry there (laughs) (laughs) absolutely no reason yeah um just yeah and it's strange because I don't know why yeah why why I was like that well I do know you know things that happened throughout my life to that point I suppose and and we've all had things that have been said to us that stick with us. And yeah, what happened in that first year was as I started my business, I was awful. You know, for the first year, I had zero results. I didn't have, you know, I was talking about my story within our company because it's inspiring because I, I, I did 154 presentations and had 154 no's. And that was oh. raveling to people, not the days of Zoom. But <laughs> 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 it was driving to Cornwall. Of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I just kept going because what I was doing alongside that was I discovered the world of personal development. And this is probably what I'm the most grateful for that, you know, and think lots of us probably on here feel. I agree. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. I um, picked up a book for the first time, you know, that that's in that arena, personal development at 27. And I just remember sort of reading it with my jaw almost on the floor, just thinking, oh my goodness, how have how have I never come across this? I'm 27 mm. years old. And I remember the three books that significantly made an impact that I really remember. Reached our poor dad. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you get mentioned a lot. <laughs> yeah, Robert. Yeah. Robert, um, the Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah, The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Yes, Jeff Olson, brilliant book. Yeah, and the main one that I, I buy for people and as a teacher in dance, I used, to, I used to have a free session actually on a Friday. I became a dance teacher alongside Building Marble on Business, which is a little section that I missed out. I taught a place called the Brit School and I used to teach on the success principles. I had a free session on a Friday afternoon and my head of department said, what do you want to teach? And I said, this book, I want to go through these principles with these students because if I'd have known this at 18, it would have been a game changer for me. And the name of the book was? Oh, The Success Principles. By the Jeff. Success Principles. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. So I just want to jump in, Sarah, because I've been just listening, taking some notes, but if somebody's listening who is my age and thinks, okay, building a successful business, whether it's network marketing, whether it's of real estate, whatever your business is, put yourself into Sarah's shoes in 2008, when we are also facing a global recession. Plus the fact that she's got an injury, self-esteem is low. She's building a business alongside, she's also working. She's And that's the dance studio uh, and actually being a dance teacher should also be inspiring you that it, it wasn't a free year for Sarah. She had to go work on it, make sure the bills are paid, make sure the income was coming in whilst building a business alongside. Is that fair to say it was a, it was a dual attack on yes. your dreams as such? Totally. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, I worked 
so hard in those three years when I was working full-time you know I'd get up at five and do something that I call a miracle what we call it we used to call it an hour of power but now because of Hal Elrod's book we call it yeah miracle morning yeah (laughs) (laughs) there's a bit of Tony in there a bit of Tony with the hour of power I think yeah totally yeah yeah um I used to call it hour of power so I'd get up at five o'clock I'd do my hour of power get ready to go to school leave at seven I'd teach I'd be in the school from seven in the morning until seven at night because we had before you know it's a it was a secondary school but I did pre-classes and post-classes and things for the students afterwards and then I go straight from the school which is in South Croydon to 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 start work on my business every single night and then I get in at midnight I get the last tray tube back get in at midnight go straight to bed get up at five again the next morning so for three years I I lived on five years sleep I'm not saying that's a good thing (laughs) on reflection Mm. yeah yeah I don't think it's good to probably live that way but I did, I was just buzzing on life. I was loving everything about what I loved teaching. I loved the students. I loved helping them. And I loved building my business. So I, I almost did in that phase of like, I don't think I need sleep. I obviously did. did. Was there a point, because listening to your description of it, I've, I've, I've lived this journey, by the way, so I can relate to it. But I, was there a point where it went from the low self-esteem to this is going to happen? You just didn't know when it was going to happen, but you could just you just knew with enough persistency something was going to give. Did it feel like that? Yeah, totally. I, I actually knew that from the first moment I heard the opportunity. And that was based on there was hundreds of people that had done it. And I just and I started to listen to them. I listened to audios and listened to them train. And as much as I learned so much and had so much respect for them, I just thought they're not they're not superhuman aliens. They're not you know, right. they're just normal people that have worked hard, persisted, been relentless. And I knew I, I was confident I had those qualities. So I just mm. thought I can I know I can do it. There was no doubt ever that I could do it. I just knew there was a lot of work to be done to get there. And I wasn't afraid of that. Question, Sarah, what if somebody approaches you and whether they're my age, whether they're from Rose generation. What do you mean an old codger? <laughs> uh, not my words, if you're listening to this. And they say to you, okay, but Sarah, I don't feel like I have those characteristics built in. What would you say to them? I'd say you can learn them. Mm-hmm. Born. Uh, and I use this example all the time like you know when you're a little baby and your parents look at you they don't look at you and think oh no she's not got the work ethic and looks like she's never going to have that determination <laughs> this doesn't that's not the case is it like, exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's things that we, you know it's pillars you know we've heard often from you know Tony Robbins how he talks about you have a belief you put a pillar someone else mentions something before long mm-hmm. it's a paradigm that you believe to be a fact and it isn't and it's just knowing that you've got the power to change all of that if you want it badly enough, I really do yeah. believe that. And and I had and I had a lot of paradigms myself that I had to shift and change. But as I read more, I understood that it was completely possible to change those paradigms to 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 serve me as opposed to hold me back and limit me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like you're rewriting the script. the The new chapter is a blank page, isn't it? You're redefining it with a new set of beliefs. Yeah, exactly. And and the other thing is as well, and you know, Sarah's description, I can relate to it in many ways across the different businesses I've done, is that a lot of people today look at people in our generation and say, yeah, yeah but I couldn't do those hours. I couldn't drive those miles. But te- we were saying just before the podcast, technology today has brought us together. So instead of a two or three hour drive to a meeting, to, to meet with an investor or a potential person for your business, whatever it is, that is now compressed into a Zoom call. Yeah. So we can be more efficient, can't we? And yeah, still absolutely. and still maintain our, our normal lives as well around that. Yeah, 100%. And obviously there are other challenges that come with that. You know, there's <laughs> saying all the time to my, my teams at the moment, the, <laughs> the people that are going to have the most success in the next couple of years are the people who develop that superpower of focus. 
Yeah. Because we do live in this world of multiple distractions and you've really got to, I think, practice. So true. Nail it and work. That is so true. I, I, you know what? Hats off to that conversation because that that almost warrants us doing another podcast, actually. Harms. On focus. Maybe we can get 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 Sarah back in to do a whole podcast on focus because it's it's a subject that people don't realize. They get busy and they think yeah. that's where busy's not being focused. Yeah. Yeah, you need a plan, you need to stick to it. And it's just pra- it's practical little tips. Like, you know, a great thing I think to do is set, set alarm, you know, on, your, on the iPhone, you can write names of alarms. <laughs> you can put, you can call your alarms titles. So, you know, yes. you've got your schedule, put this task for half an hour and then your alarm goes off and you go to the next task and you go to the next task. Yeah. So you're really staying on point with what you're planning to do that day. And yeah. and don't pick your phone up. You know, and and it, in, you, you know, in your miracle morning, the hour that you haven't, to yourself on a morning practice it's a practice isn't it it's a practice it is discipline to not look at your phone yeah um because that's when the distraction begins and that that is a subject we've had already on podcast before you and i did one didn't we on the, oh, we on the social media distractions that are happening to people today yeah. exactly living their life through a, a you know bloody app on their phone or yeah whatever. yeah mm-hmm. so what happened after those three years so that was three years of it feels like 24 7 effort work to build your business what happened next yeah so I got to the point in my business where it was there was no need to be working anymore a full-time job um but I loved it so at the time actually <laughs> to share this with you or not but I will the, the the school was struggling for funding and I really want to work there and this, I suppose this is an example of choice um once you get to the point where you've got an income that's not attached to time I was able to to choose to volunteer at the school and I still did the job, but I just didn't get paid because I had the income from my oh, fantastic. business. And it what felt, a lovely yeah, it step. Felt good. Yeah. It felt good to be able to do that. However, there were some classes that I didn't enjoy. This is the power of choice. Some <laughs> 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 classes and students that I didn't enjoy teaching. So I said, I'll come back, but I'm not doing that one and that one. <laughs> so I um, so I did that. And, and that to me is just a great example of choice that, you know, you want to be able to live your life how you choose and yes. how you want to spend it and who you want to spend time with. And that was really a great example for that of me. And then and then six months later, I relocated back up to Leeds, moved back up to Leeds. To, to start, that's when I actually started a property actually then, Rome. So that's when I did the property. Yes. Investing property. Yeah, yeah. Back up to yeah. Leeds, yeah. And, and as, as it's grown over the years, so, so you're fast forwarding a little bit further. You, you, you've been on stages all over the world. You've traveled to some of those beautiful locations. Lifestyle's changed. Being a mum, was that... A massive part of this process for you. Did you? Was it a conscious decision? Yes. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> you, I'm just trying to think. Were you a mum when I first met you? I don't yeah, think you were no, actually. No, no, no. I was single, living in London, having that's right. This time going to lots of parties. But the um, yeah, life changed so much. And what, what actually happened was, and this is a, the lesson in this too, I suppose, is I just became so fully enthralled. I loved what I was doing, and when you when you love what you're doing you it's easy to do it 24 <laughs> 7 and uh, all my friends uh, lots of close friends started to build the business with me so you know all, all of my real close friends today I have the same business as me we're all in the same company together so it's it became our li- completely our lifestyle everything we did we traveled together and and it's mm. amazing but I got to the point where I was 35 I think 35 yeah and thinking yeah I've got nothing else outside of this because I've been obsessed with it for eight years I think it was at that point 
yeah whatever it was and I, I made a conscious decision to think is this where where am I headed like what what where do I want to be in the next five years and do I want a family and you know as a female you have to think things like that at 35 so yeah I made a conscious decision to step back in some ways from my business still doing do what I was doing but just shift my focus a little bit and you know get a bit more actively get more social life chill out a little bit get more balanced I suppose that's what I really intentionally Hmm. to do and yeah things like whatever you focus on manifest so I, that's what happened you got busy you got three <laughs> <laughs> well you know i haven't got i've got two stepchildren so two of them are stepchildren so my partner already had ah, okay that's lovely yeah i've got two little girls so yeah yeah that's beautiful that's amazing so right moving the interview forward or the conversation forward rather having achieved what the public perception would call success in a traditional sense. But the question is, what is success to Sarah Dunning? How do you define that? Yeah. And I love that question because it is so different from 2008. When, when I started my business, mm-hmm. it was definitely about, you know, I was driven by different things to live a certain lifestyle. And I got excited about the choices and the freedom and I suppose the recognition and just achievement, I suppose, of it all. And today, you know, 12 years on what I've what I've learned to realize is the most success to me today is, and what I'm still always striving for, and I'm getting a lot better, but it's just being, being present in the moment. That's mm. to me is ultimate success, being able to enjoy the now and not thinking about the past and not thinking what's coming in the future too much, you know, still having a plan and a goal, but not being, just being here now, because it's a lot of the time I was so always thinking about the next goal and the next plan and what, and when I achieve this, I'll be there. And when I've got that, I'll be really happy. And actually, happiness is just here and now. And I, I read a great, actually, I, I read, my favorite book at the moment is A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. If you've read it, um, I'm on my fourth time round with it. And, oh, really? Yeah. And there's a section at the end, and I, this is just so perfect for what that describes, I think. But he talks about how there's only, there's three modalities that you want to be in to hmm. have that presence. And he says, you know, there's, there's acceptance. So acceptance is a peaceful energy and a peaceful state. Mm. And if you can just get into that state of acceptance, you're in a good vibration. It's a peaceful energy. Or there's joy where you're finding joy in just the small things and doing the day-to-day of the activity that you know you need to do to make your business work or whatever work. And then there's enthusiasm. And enthusiasm comes when you've got a goal. So the joy of doing it, but also with an end destination of a goal that you're working towards achieving, that brings enthusiasm. So that's that's brilliant and that's where we want to be but what happens is if if the goal and this was such a light bulb moment for me if the goal becomes more important than the day-to-day doing the action you become stressed Mm. and that's when the whole energy changes and you don't manifest and create what you want to bring into your life because the frequency is not good it's frustration it's and you know it's resentment it's and it's like oh i'm doing this or but you really want the goal so that was a huge thing to me. I think that happens for a lot of people in, in our industry. You're so driven to achieve a title or a goal or a position. And you're so more focused on that than actually the day-to-day doing of it should be the joy. And you're excited about the goal. But if the goal becomes bigger than what you're doing day-to-day, it all becomes irrelevant. There's, there's, there's so, I mean, even just in what you said there, there's so much that translates across most people's lives. Mm. I think particularly now, I think what COVID has done globally, particularly those people in the Western world where they're in a position to actually have other opportunities in front of them, is start looking frantically for other things. And so being busy is almost 
a way of life at the moment. People are trying to find an alternative solution just in case this or just in case this happens. Mm. So you're right. There's almost a sense of, oh, I can't be in the moment right now. I understand that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sort that out when I'm successful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, 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 when I've got the passive income or whatever it is coming in, yeah. I'll, then, I'll then live in the moment, but I've got to do it now. So you can't even be in the moment because you're thinking about what happens to happen next mm. and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Yeah, and I think um, it's the key to mastering life. I think it's the ultimate I really do because uh, having been in that other place for such a long time and I realize that all you have all you have ever have is just now isn't it, it's, and, and it exactly and I think you know whilst the three of us here because I think we all practice this in mm. different ways the obvious question to somebody listening is maybe going for a run or in the car yeah but it's all right Sarah yeah I get that but excuse my phone there but how do I do that I mean, I'm a busy person. I've got a couple of kids. I've got a business. You know, I've read all this stuff. I understand about being in the moment, but how do I really get in the moment? How do I actually do that? What What would be for you one of the things that you found being a mum, being a you know being a partner, and also an entrepreneur of a global business? What would be one or two things that you found on a practical level for a listener mm. to to bring you back to center, to reset your compass in that moment? Yeah, well, definitely meditation. I think it's just essential for anyone living in today's world. <laughs> morning to to find that time for yourself just to find and connect to something you know whatever you believe your beliefs are it's just something bigger than you and it gives you perspective you know that ultimately is it really matter you know when some small things happen that can send you off center Mm. just have that perspective to pause for a minute and consciously think and do you do everybody meditates in different ways it doesn't some people think you have to sort of find a completely tranquil spot and it has to be for an hour but for me i i can even find a meditation in a five minute moment just yeah distilling totally. myself so it doesn't have to be a full-on one or two hour process does it oh, definitely five minutes and i think it comes in different ways for different people i now realize looking back to when I used to dance and that I was just in a constant state of meditation because you're so present in the moment mm. connected to what you're doing and you, mm. there's no other thoughts going on in your head and so yeah just something something that you enjoy doing and you just ultimately there's not that internal chatter and dialogue going on but right. it's peaceful and I think that was uh, that was probably one of my key moments in self-discovery when I started my business, I remember going to a training and someone saying, you know, I've got this internal voice that's talking to you all the time. And I have a clear memory of sat there thinking, I don't have that voice <laughs> inside my head, my voice saying that voice. And <laughs> <laughs> a few days later, I was just sort of sorting out some washing and I suddenly heard myself say something. I was like, oh, that's the voice, that mm. voice that's constantly there. And as yeah. soon as I picked up on that, that was the game changer I suddenly became aware of everything that I was saying to myself was just critical and destructive and 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 I I actively chose another thought to change it but yeah I think that's what you know meditation gets you to that place of being aware of that voice and yeah quieting it down Mm. And, and if anyone's unsure and they've never tried meditation before as you know I did a 10 day silent just locked away from the world yeah but all you have to do is sit there for less than five minutes and that internal voice will arise (laughs) it will show itself and so if you're in doubt just try it and that internal voice is keeping you away from the success and building things like Sarah has built so just be conscious of that I think I've always seen it as a, like a hurdle. If you're trying to get from A to B, that that little voice is, is all little hurdles. Imagine clearing those out of the way mm. and just allowing yourself to go down that path with no no barriers. Yeah, that's a good way to think of it. 
So, I mean, Eckhart Tolle is great. I remember the first time I listened to his audio, which I think was on a tape from memory that's going back, called The Power, the Power oh, of Now. Yeah, I love that. And I remember sitting there listening because he speaks like this. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, deliberately as well, to yeah. allow you to be in that pace with him, to be in that moment. Yeah, I I remember I remember listening to a power of now like ten years ago. I think, oh, I can't. I have no time for this. <laughs> I know. I it. I know. It, it was in my car for ages. It took me ages to work through it, and that was probably the wrong place to listen to it. Whilst I'm doing something in the car. Well, yes. I did the wrong approach when I listened to it. I pressed the, f- the listen in speed. No. So times. Oh, this is typical millennial. So hold on. So you you did exactly. it on audacity. Uh, audible? Did you? I did it audible <laughs> times two immediately. Um, <laughs> I just missed Can't the point. Them, eh? I just missed the point. Yeah. <laughs> but a new earth is completely, it's, it's very different actually to a of now. It is a bit of us. I recommend it. It's just. So yeah. that's a great recommendation. So, so going back to the question on, you know, what is success? Do you want to add to that? Or for you, is that the most important thing? That's the most important thing. Yeah. And also living with a purpose. Like, you know, if, if I feel like I want to jump out of bed every morning and I'm, I, I've got something, yeah, living with a purpose. I think that's to me what it is today. And again, I'm going to ask you to elaborate because you, you know, it's one of my passions through Turning Point is to help people yeah. uh, establish a purpose. And a lot of people come to me and say, Doctor, I can't, I can't find my purpose. And I usually say to them, you shouldn't be looking for your purpose. You have to live a certain way and it will come to you, it will reveal itself to you. Yeah. So for me, I believe that we, some people like yourself, you've got this, you've got a very clear purpose, but so, for some people it could be just a purpose for that day. Give today a sense of purpose yeah. so that you, so you live that. Is, do you do it on a, a big scale, a small scale? How do you, you, you position your purpose into your daily life? Yeah, that's a good question. I just know I have it because to me it's contributing or help helping people for, for me through the business. I know I can help people get from where they are to where they want to be if they're willing obviously to bring the the energy and the commitment and the all they need to to bring to that so that's that that is what I know my purpose is and then I mean listening to you and again I I just want to be a mirror back to you is there's a really deep sense of knowing I mean everything as you're speaking and I know there's that quite quote unquote that the shy introvert that that is from Yorkshire but Mm -hmm. but actually uh, underneath the hood you know it's back to the car again there's this uh, incredible powerhouse of certainty there's a knowing inside you would you agree yeah yeah and I do think that comes from over the years establishing that I like myself that sounds yes (laughs) that's a huge learning Mm. yeah I think love actually is probably a stronger word for you as well which which I think we all have to be mindful of because we live in such a world that 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 sense of love is often reflected by how I look, how I appear on a photograph on Facebook, yeah. as a, as opposed to something deeper than that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's where it comes from. So, so purpose, so daily purpose, being in the moment for you more than anything else, give you that sense of centeredness. Again, I want, I just want to pick up on it a little bit more for the people that are rushing hard. They want to get their success now. I want to build my business, whether it's network marketing, whether it's an online business, whether it's internet, writing a book or building a property business. Do you believe that they can still maintain that power of now while still striving at the same time? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's just summarizing that, you know, that new earth section, just find, find the joy in the doing and the action right. you're doing. So yeah. you're, be aware of yourself and are you in a state of frustration or disappointment or anger or uh, when you're doing the day-to-day? And if you are, just stop and pause and how can you find the joy in the doing? Because it's absolutely amazing. It's, it's great to have a goal and something you're working towards. That's what brings the enthusiasm, like he says. Yeah. But it all becomes pointless if you're just doing it in the wrong state. Yeah. It's the hamster wheel, isn't it? Yeah. It's going round and round and round. Yeah. 
So, okay. So, I mean, my next kind of burning question then is bearing in mind how far you've come in, in a short space of time, but you've probably done what most people would have done in two or three lifetimes of business. What, what are the biggest lessons that you, uh, as Sarah Dunning have, have learned whilst building a business? And I think, you know, because we've got a mum online, we've got a woman who's built a successful business. And, and I think a lot of people are afraid to talk into this space because of the whole gender thing. Yeah. But I do think it's important for you to talk as a woman to our lady listeners as well. If you don't mind addressing that as well as, you know, building a business as a mother and how have you managed to find that balance? So what are your lessons and, and what will be some tips for the mums listening to this that are thinking, can I do this? Yeah, I think the word that comes to everyone's mind as a mum is guilt. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. But, um, it's It's learning to get really clear on what you intend to do each day. And then once you've done that, switch off. And I think it's so important for that reason to map out what you need to do and what you need to fulfill. And then once you have done that, leave your phone in your office and be completely present with your kids and be wherever you are. So, and not feel guilty about it and let go of that guilt and think, you know, I've done what I need to do for my business today. And now I'm present here. And it is a place, it's mapping out your, your weeks and planning when you're going to spend time doing what and focus in that time. And so this ties back to purpose. Once you're clear on the purpose, you work in your plan into that purpose. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Of which, of which your children, if if you're a single mum or a dad, listening to this actually, that has to be in there, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely, because they're a huge part of. And for, for me, you know, I've had lots of thoughts since having children in the way I build my business. But I've actually come to the realization that what's really important for me is that my children see what I've done to create the life we've got today. Mm. I don't want them to think it's just. I really want to teach them why I was so grateful, you know, I'm so fortunate to have learned from my parents, which is work ethic. I want them to see me working and know that I have to make some sacrifices. And it's not always going to be that we can just do everything when we want to do it because this, our life and being able to spend lots of time together comes from the times when I do have to work. And, you know, when I'm in my office and the door shut, the kids know I'm working. And, yeah. and then when I'm with them, I don't have my phone. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not checking my messages. It's in my office away from mm. me. That solves the guilt on both sides. Guilt when you're away from the business and also guilt when you're away from the kids. Yeah. uh, Doing it that way. Because anchoring back to what you've taught us so far, which is you are present and you are in the now when you are with the children or when you are with the business or with your friends or social, whatever it is. I think that's the big takeaway I'm taking. And I think people of my generation need to be hearing that message. Yeah, I really do think that that's a, a challenge for your generations of the distraction thing and that you've got access to do everything on your phone every single minute of the day. And it's putting, I I think the best thing to do is put your phone away from your, wherever you are in a different room. Yeah. Because the now becomes just the screen, doesn't it? It becomes what I've just read on Facebook. Oh, so-and-so has just done this, or they've just shown a lovely photograph of them on a beach. And I want to be on that beach. What they didn't show is the argument that happened two minutes before the photograph with their partner. (laughs) It's just a lovely photograph. Yeah. Yeah, and and then it then it creates this desire to oh I've got to have that now and then 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 we're back into that cycle of just pursuing and pursuing. Yeah, I think I have boundaries of these social media as well. You know, have ta- if you enjoy the scrolling and looking at other people's lives, it's fine, but just limit it and think yeah I've, that's my that's my daily intake of scroll. I I, I don't. Enjoy- I like how you describe that. Harminda ha- smiling because that's one of he believes that solely actually. It's really <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, and then get on there because it obviously serves a lot of us in business for those that use it. So be intentional and keep that that question mm. in your mind. Am I fo- what am I on here to do? Or what am I on here to do? What am I on here to do? And stay. In- That's a great word. Elaborate on that. I'm, I'm just picking up on words because, uh, yeah, again, to our listeners, as, as somebody that's been in this field for so long, 
uh, and Sarah knows this, one of my chapters in Turning Point is all about language and words. Words that we use define very much how we live our lives. The fact that you've used the word intention there is massive. Yeah. So being intentional as opposed to just randomly using that tool is massively different to your business, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think you've just got to keep your mind on track with what you're on there to do, what you're on there to achieve. You're on there to send messages, to create content, because the distraction is so easy to click. And before you know it, you're looking at yeah. one new baby who's had a dog and a new puppy. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait a minute, yeah. what am I actually doing here? Um, so that awareness, you know, conscious awareness as you're working and then you yeah. catch yourself quicker. And it is practice, you know, it's, it's being intentional and thinking, I'm going to nail this social media situation. I'm going to make sure that I'm absolutely using it for my business. And if I want to in- keep in the enjoyment part of scrolling and watching what your friends are doing separate, and think that'll be another time when I do that, but don't yeah. get it all mixed up together, thinking focused on your business when you are doing that. So just just a quick question on this then. So for somebody who's listening to this, I'm going to be devil's advocate. I'm just trying to play a listener. It, it, how have you managed? Did you find it? Because they think what she I means she found it really easy just to put a phone away and just switch off. <laughs> that can't have been an easy transition. No, no. nothing's ever No, anything that, you know, all these skills and habits and disciplines that you create, they're, they're never easy. <laughs> we just make it sound easy (laughs) on this podcast just throw the phone away i know i know and and, you know what that sentence looks like is years of me exactly yeah and and that time got shorter before i realized i picked the phone up and then it gets to a point where you realize you pick the phone up and you immediately put it back down again and then right where you never pick the phone up but it's just consciousness consciousness and persisting with your intentions so with my you know when you're mapping out your day or you know when you're building your business what you want to do in that time it'll never go to plan the fit you're not going to write write the plan and tomorrow it's all perfect and that was perfect amazing all exactly went to plan and all the timings were exact that never happened (laughs) (laughs) i I had um i had a client sarah who who it was was similar to the phone it was it was to do with emails and stuff it was was going back about five seven years so i just got her to wear an it's an old technical years ago uh, quite a a strong elastic band on her wrist and every time she went to pick up the phone or do something in that she didn't want to do she had to pull the elastic band really yeah. hard and flick herself. And after a while, it was just like, okay, I'll stop doing it. No, I'm not suggesting everybody does that, but it might be something you need to just, yeah. there has to be a reason not to pick the phone up. Yeah. And, and if, you're, if your kids, which they should be enough for a reason, if they're not because, you know, you think, oh, but it's another deal, it's another contact. You just got to, it's like a, you're, you're sitting there in one hand, you've got, what happens if I don't? What are the consequences if I keep leaving my kids? What message am I giving to my kids versus that one phone call that I want to take? And one has to outweigh the other, doesn't it? Yeah. And you just got to find a way that works. Totally. You've got to find a way that works for you. Because if you might then, you know, in the past, I've had people say, no, but what if my mum wants to call me? Get a separate phone. Get a different phone for your family. Right. And get a different phone for work. If that, there's always an answer. Yeah. Sometimes it's just easier to make the excuse for yourself because it's lazy. So you've got to think yeah. instead of, you know, Tony Robbins, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions that you ask yourself. Yeah. So how are you going to find those questions that are going to get you to where you want to be yeah fantastic absolutely so we have spoken a lot about success in business but let's narrow down now on network marketing specifically from your viewpoint sarah what are the biggest challenges because we've just sort of spoken about things are not easy there are challenges that exist so what are the biggest challenges that you've seen in the network marketing industry? Yeah, I think the stigma attached to it. So there's a misunderstanding of what it is. And, and I suppose that's one of my, my drivers and my purpose today is to educate people on what it actually is. Um, mm. I'm passionate about that because it's obviously transformed my life and I know many others. 
and I think it can, you know, it's such a great opportunity and option for so many people to not look at it because of someone else's opinion that's uneducated. I think it's such a shame. So that's a big challenge. Um, And to overcome that, you know, when you're working in the industry, your beliefs just have to be stronger than other people's opinions. And you have to, you have to know the facts, you know, you have to know, you can't just listen to someone else and ride on their belief. It has to be internal Mm. within you. You have to got deep rooted to the bottom of why you believe this is an incredible opportunity for people. You have to have that fundamental, you know, belief, I think. And and in fairness, I think anyone going into whatever business it is, that that has to be the case, doesn't it? Whether you're going in to start, I don't know, a shop on the high street selling clothes or or making cakes or internet business like Harminder specialise in or property. It's not enough just to watch somebody and then believe what they, you've got to study that industry. You've got to get involved, learn about it so that that you're prepared to defend it from a place of knowledge, what you know to be a genuinely legitimate business that you're going into. Totally. Yeah, it is that it's integral and it's becoming a professional, like in any, in anything that you do, you know, property or any, any industry that you're working in, you, you have to become the pro, you have to do it right and do it well. And also know that you're in it for the long haul. This is definitely, there's a lot of stuff, you know, around the industry, I think where it's like, oh, get rich quick and this will happen overnight. And it's sold sometimes like that, but that's just not the reality for anything. You know, the only way that you have achieved great success is consistent repetition and practice and relentlessness and discipline and habits and everything that comes into making a success of anything really. So yeah, a lot of people are deluded on what it's going to take as well. That's what I'd say some of the biggest challenges are. And do, do you think that's a challenge due to the perception that have been created by people outside of the industry? No, in the industry. Right. <laughs> people doing it badly, you know, like there is in all industries, there's some people that are just not doing it. And that's not necessarily their fault. It might be, you know, just not got to that point where they've understood that yet or been trained or taught about that. But there are a lot of people not doing it so well. Mm. I, I I agree with you. I mean, you know, for our listeners, just to give a bit of history here, I've I've previously was involved with the network marketing business in the eighties, and back in those days, a lot of it was hype, uh, and and those even that was like twenty thirty years ago. Still, some of that stigma, as you mentioned, it has pervaded into the twenty first century where we are today, mm. without realizing it's a very powerful, legitimate business that. If, if built properly with the right systems, it's extremely lucrative for people, but also gives people time. And I think, unfortunately, that hard work ethic and the professionalism has been lost with still traces of stigma from 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And if we look, in, if we look externally, would you say, Sarah, that because you would have interacted with people of my generation more or your team would have? Would you say that they have this desire for an instant win? Mm-hmm. Um, bearing in mind that when we talk about how long it takes to business, I don't know, it's going to be different for everybody. It could be 10 years, could be 20 years, could be 30 years. But a lot of people who start a business, any kind of business, is because they want to change. And now's a perfect time to change. So what have you observed in my generation with this whole instant win i want it to happen but it's got to happen in like four months what age group are we rating here by the way um <laughs> from what, what to what well what's the youngest what's the youngest 18 18 so 18 then we got up to about 35 i'm gonna ask the same question my generation okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's um definitely a di- it's totally different different generations with millennials today they 
they're definitely are looking for the insta lifestyle i think from mm. training and coaching I, that's what i really always make the point of on training is like this is going to take a lot even before people start the business i'm always trying to put them off to make sure they, they're not going to be flaky and think this is going to happen overnight mm. and i say this is what you can achieve but it's going to take years of dedication and hard work and persistence and it's not going to go right a lot of the time and you're going to have a lot of rejection and you're going to have to keep going anyway are you prepared to do that and I think as long as you're clear on making that, you know, really, tra- and you're really transparent with that, de- that generation, are, you know, there's so many incredible in my business, such hard workers and people that are showing what's possible for others by building mm. incredible businesses. And it fits so well into social media today because they're simply, you know, building their businesses through Instagram, you know, through social media, which I have never done. You know, I've never really used social media to build my own personal business. Well, on that note then, so someone, have, has she answered your question, by the way, Hans? Because I want to ask a question. Yes, they want an instant fix. <laughs> and then Sarah's job is to coach them and say, hang on a minute, that's not the real world. Yeah. So that makes sense. But just, just I'm, I'm asking you a question, Harms. What do, do you think that sort of typical age group, what, 25 to 35, do you think even now they're still looking for a quick fix? I would say yes. I, I would say because of the Why? way the world around has shaped us, social media gives you an instant endorphin kick you can go to mcdonald's and get a burger within less than two minutes when you go to a restaurant it's if my food is not here within five minutes a freshly cooked meal there's a frustration building up right so i would say you got youtube adverts of get rich quick get get constant adverts so the way the online world is if you are desiring change you are going to be presented with lots of adverts that help you make a change but they're going to grab your attention by saying we can make it happen for you quicker right now, right, I would so say Sarah's saying, yeah, but you have to put work in. Yeah. And right. quick is different in everybody's psyche, as we know. Quick could be, I think for my generation, quick is a lot shorter than what it should be. That's what I'll, I'll <laughs> it's say. Instantaneous, isn't it? <laughs> You've lived in a world, uh, you've grown up in a world of instant, instantaneous lot for, for everything. You know, you can, yeah, yeah. Watch channels that you watch on Uber. And, yeah, there's so Uber, so much stuff that is just a different world you've grown up in. So it's not, a, you know, it's not detriment to your character. It's just thinking, how do you, how do you sort of teach delayed gratification <laughs> right which is a great word and i mean it's a word that's been around for so many years and i still think it carries a lot of weight today that delaying that gratification putting the work in now people in my generation kind of get that i'm 50 i'm coming up to 55 next year and i grew up in a period where you put the hours in you put the work in um but i mean i'm fortunate i've got people like harminder around me that bring me into social media because i resisted it for years even the dr o brand when you met me i i didn't really sarah i didn't really want to push it out there mm-hmm. but people were saying but you've got such a great message just just share it on social media i was like no nah, i just talk to audiences and harminder saying yeah but you can only get to two or three hundred people or a thousand ten thousand but on the internet you can get to hundreds of thousands yeah. so how do you deal with that within your industry how do you because there are people listening to this that might want to get into this industry but are thinking, yeah, but surely, I mean, I, I don't know social media. Is there another way to do it? Or how do I get my message out there? It's kind of lonely. How, how do they deal with that? Mm. Oh, well, for that for that generation, I just teach how I did it myself before social media. Because 2008, you know, Facebook, you used to write messages on people's walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to the right. coffee shop. Everyone in the world would know. Like, I'll meet you at the coffee shop in five minutes. Your whole network. Yeah. <laughs> So it was very different even in 2008, even though it doesn't feel you know, 12 years ago. And so I, I would just get out and talk to people. So I teach people how to connect in person with people and, and be a constant networker and build your network through referrals and meeting people along the way. Because that's 
if that's I, I think the key lesson is like I was just going referring back to what I said before find the joy the most important thing is you enjoy the day-to-day doing of your of your activity so no matter what age you are if you don't enjoy being on social media and you enjoy being in person t- connecting with people actual real people build your business that way so you can you can learn either way both are possible but it's finding what suits you what fits with you and that's when you'll always have success if you're enjoying the doing so on that note then do you find people in the older generation that get into the network marketing industry the business do they have old beliefs that they have to rewire that might be different to the younger ones coming through because i mean i still see when i go out to my audiences people will come up to say yeah but it's it's, you know doctor look at some of the people around me they've got like half my age they've got a lot more energy and they're more connected i'm not sure if i can do this do you find that some of the older generation have been wired with a set of beliefs that have to be unwired to be then rewired differently similar to what you went through yeah definitely yeah and there's obviously a a longer period of time where things that haven't been serving them are probably more hardwired right yes so it's an awareness of that again. And, and then I think what happens in our industry is someone finds someone they relate to or a person that's inspirational to them that they connect to and think, you know, if they've done, and, and they've done it, then maybe I can too. Having that person to be their role model, I suppose. And also point out to that generation what, what they bring that the younger generation don't bring because everyone's, you know, brings something different through different True. groups of different generations. And they bring a lot of the time a certainness in themselves, a confidence, a wisdom, a life experience. So, yeah, there's, there's so much that that age group bring that, that gives so much to the millennials and vice versa. So it's been open to learn, isn't it, from everyone yeah. and how... Yeah. I mean, if there's, if there's anyone listening to this who is in that category, 50, 60 years of age, I mean, I could just share from my experience of being in front of audiences all over the world is don't let that little block stop you from doing this. There are so many opportunities out there and, you know, where you have something like this, where there's some amazing people that have already succeeded and are prepared to help you. Often that's that first step of reaching out and saying, okay, I'm, I'm humble enough and I'm ready to take some yeah. guidance. Yeah. And that once that door opens, oh my gosh, it's like a flood, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I think that is a big part of it, isn't it? Being being okay with asking, I don't have yes. to do this. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just being, being a constant student. And even if you don't know anything, it's fine. You can learn all the skills you need to learn to definitely do this, this business, this sort of industry. Yeah, we've talked a lot about Tony Robbins and one of his biggest, I think one of the biggest messages he's done for the last 30, 40 years is to model people, find someone who's great at what they do and just model them. Mm-hmm. And I know for you, that's something that you've done, but I know so many people model your approach as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely true. It's just, it's just that belief when you see someone else, you think if I'm sure I, if they can do it, I think I can. <laughs> yeah. A few things. So, I mean, I mean, we're talking about the positive side, network marketing, like I think, all businesses have their tough times and you know when there's times I think when anybody and you're sure you've gone through this when things felt like nothing was happening or it was going slowly and that goal you talked about that that purpose seems like it's a million miles away from what the vision is that you have in your mind you have this one picture in your head and it's like how come I'm not quite there yet it's a bit like renovating a house which I know all about the moment (laughs) how do you how does Sarah Dunning keep going through those times i know life is a lot better than it was say five ten years ago but i'm sure you still face challenges like when covid hit you had to adjust very quickly yeah but what's your approach so that we can kind of pick apart your your approach to these things and maybe take some learnings from that yeah we've had yeah definitely lots of challenges you know in the in the industry and it's just i think it's been having a default mode as when there's a challenge automatically thinking brilliant this is where the opportunity lies Nice, nice. And just training yourself and your leaders to get into that state of, 
nothing ever changed. You don't become better through the great times. That's comfortable. You know, it's just going doing the same thing. But when when challenges come and it's uncomfortable and we don't, <laughs> we don't nobody likes change really. You know, it's not a lot of people yeah. do. It's accepting that this is where the growth is going to happen. This is where we can find opportunity. And once we're past it on the other side, you know, always saying, you know, a year from today we'll look back and we won't even remember what really happened. It'll be in the past, but right now it feels big, but it won't do in a year's time. This too shall mm. pass. But also taking that, t- making sure you don't miss the opportunity for the growth that's there. So taking time to reflect on the time you've been through and thinking, how did I handle it? Could I, what I could have done different? What could I have done better? And taking yeah. that moment to think, at least I've got something from it. So next time when that happens, I'll do this or I'll deal with it that way or I'll speak that way. or Yeah, so I think the only constant is change, isn't it? We always know that things are going to be changing. It's to be, adap- to be adaptable. And to, to be adaptable. Them. Yeah. So, so just backing up a little bit so I can break that process down because that was very slick and yes. actually it made a lot of sense. So what you're saying is for anyone listening, the first thing that's going into your mind is, okay, there is a change happening, but in your mind, change equals opportunity. Change equals a chance to grow. Yeah. That's what you're really saying, isn't it? That's your, that's your, that's Sarah Dunning's default position. It's not going to be easy, but because it's a change, it's a chance to, to, to make a difference now and yeah. do something. Yeah, and, and again, with it comes with practice. You know, that's never going to happen immediately. But with constant challenge over twelve years, you know, from from the first big challenge I had, you know, three years into my business to where I am now, where we've had challenges, I've just dealt with it so differently because I've learned from past experiences, and I've I've always taken the opportunity just to reflect and think. Right, next time this happens, or what, what would I do differently? Mm. Or, and so now I really do get excited with challenge I think this is amazing this is where my leadership is going to go to the next level like this is Brilliant. so exciting and, I, and that energy then goes through to your leaders and it filters through to your team yeah. or whoever you're working with but you have to be the constant steady centered peace you know peaceful person that's calm with whatever, whatever is happening and people take strength from that I think and so this this ties into your whole philosophy about having a sense of purpose those quiet moments of meditation there's a difficult moment, but let me just reflect without any distractions, phones away from me. Okay, now you can see a way forward. You look back at what you've done in the past and what worked and what didn't work. You carry the great things forward. And then the next step beyond that is having realized that this changes an opportunity. What What is your typical approach then? Do you do you have a philosophy of, because uh, re- I'm just thinking about people listening, do, that, do you reach out to people around you to bring the right people in to, to go through that next step? Yeah. Yeah, I make sure that, all the people that are directly impacted are direct to me, my leadership team right. on board with that philosophy and thought. So this is great. This is going to be good. We're all going to be great. Nice. <laughs> and this is how we're going to think of it. And so a common, a common message goes out to the close people in your team that this is what we're going to be doing. So everybody's singing off the same hymn sheet. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And to give them that support. And I, and I always say, you know, I, I might do a group call or zoom, zoom, training or whatever on that topic but always also yeah. being there and saying you know if you if you because the reality is but you don't know what's going on inside different people's heads and your teams and your business or whatever you're, you're running right now and you always want to make sure that you've got that openness for people to come speak to you if they want to mm. be concerned about anything so I'm not it's not a case of masking over it and saying we're all good just smile and carry on it's working through it. And then if you, you've got something that's troubling you or something you can't overcome or get past, like speak to me directly and we'll talk through it and work through it. That's amazing. Well, would you be open to just talking to space for a second? Because the, the word that's 
uh, just jumping out to me is communication. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Listen to what Sarah's just said. No, I think I think everything she said. I mean, as you know, it's one of my passions at the moment. But I think Sarah's nailed it. The minute we step away from a fear, or like a change, and we don't communicate about it, my experience is the people that around us have similar fears. It actually magnifies their fear by by not communicating with impact. What we're actually saying is, I've got the same fear as you. I've got a clue what to do. Whereas you're doing the opposite. You're saying, let's communicate openly. And these are my beliefs. This is what Sarah Dunning believes. This is what we can do. Everybody gets behind that. And that communication becomes a a common theme throughout the whole whole business. That's what I'm hearing from you, Sarah. Yeah, totally. Exactly. That sentence you said, communication is the key. That's one thing I've learned above everything else. Because unless you're directly communicating with the person that's got the challenge or you just or there's some or if there's a three when there's someone in between you just need to make sure that everyone's directly communicated with and always honest and open and Mm. willing to say i'm sorry that i'm sorry if i did that wrong if that came across in that way it wasn't intentional Mm. I think, you know, just being a mirror to you and and I'm not here to to blow uh, Sarah up or anything, but one of your greatest qualities is your authenticity. I mean, when I teach people about communication, I say that it's so important to have an authentic message and it's okay if not everybody likes you for it, but be yourself. And I think that whole journey you took us on from your mum, your dad growing up uh, is still in you. That, that, that pureness is still there and I think it's a great quality that you have which I believe is one of your you know, great assets why you've built such a great business thank you yeah that's uh, yeah communication is the key and yeah. I think it's knowing as well and forgiveness as well you know forgiveness mm. of yourself and forgiveness of people and and a, and a great lesson that I've learned to go back to the lessons is that the the most challenging people in your life right now the people that you're irritated by that you can't abide that they're in your life and they have to, <laughs> they're there to teach you something to teach you. And that's just knowing that they are my biggest teachers and just always every time you have that challenge breathe and think yes Jesus, man, this is my biggest lesson for my soul growth this person's here for a reason again it's that thing of when you're in a challenging time, the growth doesn't happen when it's all great and happy and fabulous. Exactly. Mm. And isn't that the truth? And you know, we're, we're so in our own skin and our own heads that when we're thinking that person pees me off, whatever, we forget that maybe we do the same for them. Maybe we're there to bring something to their soul as well, part of their journey. So it's a, it's kind of a mutual, it's a Celestine prophecy. You know, we're exchanging at a point in time, whether it's 10 minutes, an hour, whatever. And then we go from that person, but, but there is a lesson in both of those journeys. I remember Sarah speaking at a conference in Birmingham and I took the audience, there was like 1,300 people, I took them through a journey out into the future. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, I remember. uh, And then then we went back through somewhere in the future to from your success all the way through all the lives that were changed and the lessons that were learned. And what you've described is very much that journey of, of, of taking your life lessons, looking out into the future, anticipating things, and then allowing yourself to bring that knowledge to the table for the next adversity that comes along. Mm. Yes, yeah, uh, totally. One of my top leaders. <laughs> oh, but, well, it's Mel, actually. You know Mel. Mel oh, yeah, yeah. I know Mel, yeah. She was, um, we, when we had a challenging time recently, and we were all on Zoom, and I said, are you okay, Mel? And she's like, Sarah, I've been, I've been preparing for this for 12 years. I am ready. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant so she was all good she's like yes this is what i've been waiting for she's lovely Mel. yeah yeah that's amazing so talking about tough times and you shared with the listeners ways that you openly communicate with your team and yourself internally in order to manage these times now let's shift forward to Ro. you mentioned like the vision in the Mm -hmm. future that's the goals sarah do you have any tips for our listeners anybody in business anybody who's in network marketing anybody who's thinking about network marketing 
on when they enter this business, how do they make their goals a reality? I'd say the, the first thing you want to do is create a plan. Like you need to know what you have to do. What are, Once you've set your goals for you, you know, your five, your three, your one-year goal, working backwards, you need to know what action you have to do every day to make that goal inevitable. And once you've got that list, then it's creating the discipline to not miss a day. It just raise your raise everything in your life to, to, to standards of excellence. You know, how do you keep asking yourself, how do I get on the success curve, which is, is from the slight edge? You know, that's a question I used to repeat to myself all the time in that first couple of years was, is this putting me on the success curve? Or is this putting me on the failure curve? Because mm. every choice that you make, you're going on one of those two curves. There's never a middle ground. And that's what we trick ourselves to thinking. You know, we think, if I true, do, true. I don't do anything, I'll just stay where I am. It's just, just not true. <laughs> but also, also, it's that busyness, isn't it? It's that feeling of, and I think it's, it's, it's a bit of a transfer from the 80s and the 90s. If you get busy, you get results, but actually not, not anymore. <laughs> being busy doesn't mean to say you're going to get results. Exactly, yeah. So being conscious, knowing what you've got to do, when it's done, getting the, the other stuff in your life that you want to do, getting the balance too that like we talked about. But yeah, so so creating a plan, getting the discipline to do those habits, even when they're uncomfortable and you don't want to do them, connecting that doing of that action that's going to really lead, to, lead to the ultimate outcome. I think, you know, there's lots of things that I didn't want to do in my business when I first started that were uncomfortable and oh, so out of my comfort zone and I couldn't think of anything worse. But I used to connect that action was if I don't take this action now, that goal, that ultimate outcome is not going to happen. It's not like uh, I might decide to do it tomorrow because if I won't do it today, why, w- why would I do it tomorrow? So I need to take the action now for that to become a reality. And it's connecting the action to the ultimate outcome. With your- so I'm going to ask you a more specific question because uh, there's going to be people here that are listening and they may be involved in a network marketing business. They may also have conventional businesses as well. So broadening this out now to any type of, because goals I think is a big subject. What is your approach to setting these goals? Because I think it's something that some people do really well. Others talk about it, but don't achieve it. You've obviously clearly achieved it. How does Sarah set a goal? Because some people's goals are set and you and I might look at it and go, you know, secretly, we know that's kind of unrealistic. How do you say coach or work with some of the people that are coming through your industry, your business to help them realize what is, and I don't like to use the word realistic because I, I think that's an unfair statement, but you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Somebody might want to achieve a certain number of people in their business within the next week. And you know, there's, there's even a physical process to doing that. So how, how do you help people set those goals so that they are pragmatic, realistic goals that can be done in a time frame that you know is possible? Yeah, I think it does come from experience of watching it happen a lot I now know what it takes so I suppose you'd ask a mentor for that or you'd find someone who's been successful in your industry or your business and get for us you know it's a lot of it and that this might be the same for a lot of salespeople. it's a numbers game so Mm -hmm. you need to know what number you need to initially start with it's like property you need to you know fill the filter at the top to so many so many properties you end up purchasing it's the same thing so what's the number that you start with which leads to you know the next phase which leads to the next phase which leads to the result and once you know that you can then work break it down into daily actions which will lead to so many you know whatever a month amazing you mentioned the word mentors how have they played a role in your life and if you was talking to my generation now and saying is a mentor important? Are they critical to your success? What's your mindset when somebody approaches you talking about a mentor or a coach yeah it's critical it's essential really and uh, it, well 
you know, you can't, it's just, it's like I see it as a time machine. Like you can literally, you can take 10 years to do something that you can learn how to do and master in. <laughs> I love that. I love that way of describing it. so true. It. Yeah. And just why would you, why would you take 10 years when you could do it in six months if someone's been there, done it, learn all from all the mistakes and what not to do. And it's giving you a shortcut. Just like, if you do this, it will work. And it's a trust. Again, it's, it's trust that you, you true. with a mentor, you have to really, but you have to trust that person. You have to know what they're about. You have to, you know, have a ma- massive amount of respect for them, actually. Yeah. Um, and that's what comes from in, in my business. I, the only, you, you earn the respect from doing the do and being the person mm. that demonstrates you know what you're doing. So you can't fake it or be a fraud in it. <laughs> You've got to, um, you know, earn that badge of respect, really, from, from proving that you know how to build a business. That's, you know what, it's interesting because in the years that I've gone and spoken at, at conferences where there's been network marketing events, that's the one thing that's shone out for me is, you know, it doesn't matter what we might say the perception is or some of the stigma from the past, as you said about get rich quick or it's easy. When you're actually inside that space and you see the work and the effort that people have put in, that's when you realize they've earned this, you know, they've earned the the right to stand there and to share their story because they've put those hours in and, and now they can teach it to somebody else. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's why you get exception. You do get great leaders in this industry because you also have to, like you, you've mentioned, you know, that, hum- that, that relatability, you have to remain relatable because that's the whole point. People have got to look at you and think if she can, I can. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm going to bring in a couple of things that have come to mind. And we've got, while we've got Sarah here, I'll have to tackle a couple of these things. So two things would be, one, it, well, both of them, I think, are challenges that people have. So I want to go back to your question, Harms. What are the blocks to people going to a mentor and asking for, say, for example, in your industry or in any industry for that matter, Sarah, but so, so for in my mind, what I've experienced is when I'm in front of an audience and somebody, when I was first teaching property, I was in my early 30s, People used to be like, well, I'm 20 years younger than me, you know, older than you. Yeah, I've got somebody who's 55. What can you teach me? And I'd say, well, I've, I've sort of bought 40 properties in my first year. And they go, oh, all right. Um, how, how have you, what are the blocks that sometimes stop people going and reaching out to ask somebody for help in your industry or from what you've seen generally in life? Because I think we need to tackle this head on. I want to smash this objection now while we're on this podcast. And I suppose it's slightly different in our industry because it is there free. It's accessible. You can directly right. person without financial, you know. But but do egos come in? Do you get oh, some people that are like, oh, you know, I don't ever want to ask them. I was going to go to, yeah. It's totally that, yeah, I, it is an ego. It's a pride thing, isn't it? And I don't, I don't know why people have this, uh, a lot of people have this thing of like, oh, I must know everything I need to know. I don't want to look stupid. And I think that's definitely one thing that's been in my favor, I think, from quite a young age. I've always been quite open to say, I don't know this. I need to learn that. How do I do that? How do I come better at this? It's just a sort of a, a mode that I've always been in. So I think you just want to be – the constant student is the, only, is the only way I can describe it, that everyone can teach you something and everything can teach you something. It's having that openness to think, what's the lesson in this? What's the lesson from that person? Whether it's a good lesson or a bad lesson, you think, I don't want to be like them. <laughs> Or a, yeah. a good thing, but yeah, it's definitely you know it's ego or thinking you know something. Or maybe if there's a monetary value to it, it's thinking is it going to be worth it? Am I going to is it going to be worth the value? And it, mm. it always is. I think for, if you've got an expert in their field and they know they've done what you want to achieve, there's no there's no question about whether it's worth it or not. If that's what you're do, have you. Do you find there's a certain generation that tends to resist it more than others? Where was looking at me in the eyes when you said that? <laughs> um, um, I don't know, really. I don't, I don't know if I've ever experienced that in, 
network marketing. Yeah, I, mm. I think you're right, actually, Cause Sarah. Because I've excited. You know, yeah, it's true, actually. I see it a lot, and uh, you know, it pees me off a little bit sometimes because there's this quite arrogance that people think they can do it themselves. I mean, for example, in your industry, in, in network marketing, you, no way can you do it yourself. You have to. But if you look at most businesses, you need people around you. You need mentors. You need coaches. Yeah. yeah. The other subject on that note, then I want to tackle, and this is where the curveball comes in. What about couples? What happens when you have one person that's absolutely, I got to do this. I want to do this. And you've got one who's like the brakes on that dragster we talked about. It's like, and you know, whether it's the husband or the wife or the other partner, whoever it is, it doesn't really matter because I don't want to put a gender against this, but how have you found it? What's a good way to overcome that? Because I'm sure there'll be listeners thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. How does Sarah overcome that? <laughs> yeah, um, it is a huge one in, in, in my industry as a speaker and as a property investor, I see it, but I can absolutely guarantee having spoken at several events in network marketing, I know it's a big one, but you, you're in the industry. Yeah. It, it is a big subject, isn't it? This one, it's, yeah. it's one that can literally stop somebody before they've even got through the door. Yeah, totally. And I think there's loads of different reasons behind it and it's different every time. It's, there's, there's a key, there's a few key things that it is. And you know, it's the fear of that person's going to grow and leave them and they were, you know, they won't help the relationship, but, but that's never the case. I think I always just say to people, you know, you can, if this, if this is going to make your partner happy in doing this, don't you want them to be happy? Like, is, is this not what you, you ultimately want for them? And, you know, they're going to, they really want to do this. They get it. Yeah. But I think a lot of the time... And we hope they say no. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the time it's, a, it's, it's an education. And I find from, you know, getting on a call or speaking to them directly, because the message never comes across right, quite the same when it's coming from their partner or, the, the, you know, their loved one. So I just say, let me speak to them. Let me tell them why you know you see this as an opportunity and and what it could be for both of you you know to to work this and even maybe do it together but I think yeah again communication communication is always the key and so it's a clear education on actually what this is and what it's going to be and what it's going to take and maybe yeah there might be some sacrifices but how the sacrifices will be worth it for for the whole family if they're willing to go for this and it can be a, a family thing too True. So going back to the bigger purpose of, of why this is being done, the greater good of, of the whole business that's being built. But I do agree with you, Ro. It's a massive question oh. because why does a Sarah have to talk to one of the couples? Why can the couple not together resolve this to know that doing this makes someone happy? It takes their family forward. It's exciting. It's a new adventure. Why does a Sarah, uh, yeah. why does a Ro have to explain to a couple that Hey, investing in property is a no-brainer. Network marketing is a no-brainer. So that that question we can't answer now, but it's well, just something you know, that's playing in my head. It, it's it's nothing to do with the industry. So if Sarah's exactly. in front of them or one of Sarah's members of her leadership's there, it's about that couple. So it comes down to the relationship, how it's developed over the years, yeah, their yeah. core values. Maybe they're going in different directions, even and and often what an opportunity like network marketing or property or going onto the internet, your area, it suddenly magnifies that because it's something we could do together but now it's revealing some cracks that might be there yeah that have to be have to be worked on as well yeah it's complex isn't it that's a complex one it's different for all relationships like you say do you have so i mean uh, this is just my approach do you ever have a conversation where you say well you know what like i'll say to somebody my suggestion is if he or she doesn't want to do it just do it anyway do it for them and just ask them for some support but don't hold back because they don't want to do it because that's their beliefs versus yours do you ever have to have those conversations or do you tend not to say that to people <laughs> all the time? Like if this is for you, go for it. And you know, right. it's, it's, yeah, I have that conversation all the time because <laughs> um, it's just important to do what you want to do as well. And, and, and ultimately, you know, if that person loves you and supports you, all they should really want is your happiness. Exactly. Hmm. 
And that's me and you saying that. So hopefully if anyone's listening, it's like you're probably nudging your partner saying, you see, I've been saying this and now these guys are saying the same thing. And you might not want to hear it, but you know, all it is is fear. If if you don't, if, if it's not for the happiness, it's true. It's a, it's a fear. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that. Then becomes a, a personal development journey, and I think you know I, I would put my hand up and say I've I've been there. I know what that feels like, and it's okay to acknowledge it. The minute you say, "Okay, I have got a fear here," now we can start to work on it. Which books do I read? Who do I talk to? What listens? What audios can I listen to? What events can I? Yeah, and I've had so many couples in my business the way it began like that, and now you know the, the partner's gone on the personal development journey with them because they made the choice because they thought I can see that I'm going to get left behind if I don't go with them, and they decided to maybe not do the business, but they've read the same books. And listen to the same audios and podcasts and their relationships completely transformed because of that personal development journey mm. yeah yeah on that note so this is quite a good question to throw in then do, do you so, so obviously you get inspired by by people around you and and sometimes when you get to a certain level i get a question you know, who mentors me who do i get inspired by yeah. that the way the structure of a network marketing business is you have people that uh introduced you in so so they're upline of you you have other people that you're bringing into the business or that you see across that have come in over the last few years what are some of the qualities that sarah dunning has been inspired by what sarah been inspired by within your industry whether it's maybe across industry or down into the people you know some of the people that you've seen come in in more recent years or people that have been around for a while it's quite nice to just get a sense of what inspires you and what some of their qualities and characteristics and if you're listening just write some of these down because i think these are it's all about modeling and, and if this has been an inspiration for sarah and she's taken that on board then why wouldn't you want to do the same thing yeah the quality yeah definitely there's several people that you know spring to mind obviously a lot of it is coming from books and audios and and being a big fan of certain people like Wayne Dyer and yeah yeah absolutely I don't know I've never met but <laughs> been a big inspiration in my life but yeah, but yeah within our organization there's so many phenomenal incredible leaders that I really looked up to and a lot of the time not known but observed from their trainings and and now a lot of them are really great friends that, that once they were just like oh incredible just put on a, on a I suppose I put on a, on a platform really but now yes become such good friends with and what's what's I suppose what is what they all have in common and I remember in my first couple of years actually of going to our big annual conferences and sort of thinking I'm going to really study and when we watch what they all have in common like what is mm. these people having massive success in this company have in common and one thing that the only way I could identify at the time was they're all calm like they've all got this centered calmness mm. which I now realize mm. is this peace peace <laughs> a, yes a sense of of self-love and they're all the way I used to describe it is they're all they're just all good they're all good with themselves and mm. so I, I knew it was I knew what my journey was with where I had to get to that you know that high self self-worth and self-love so that was that was definitely key and then in, in most recent years uh our, our did, did, that, did that transcend across all age groups yeah, would you say? Yeah. yeah, it really did. I think at the time there was a trend. What strange was then, twelve years ago, a lot of the top leadership was sort of in their fifties, sixties, seventies. Whereas now, right. this industry has become so appealing to the millennials. You know, a lot of those, a lot of our recognition and top leadership is they're now in their twenties. You know, we've got the most incredible leaders that are twenty-two. Amazing. Like, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. So inspiring to see what they're doing. Yeah, and that's the same. In my more recent years, our our CEO actually. Our, our recent CEO has come in the last couple of years. He just, to me, is the epitome of leadership. He is open, humble, mm. a great listener, 
takes everyone's opinions on board and um but he's also got this sense of strength and he's willing mm. to make the tough decisions that are so uncomfortable to make mm. that have to be made for the greater good of all and just the way he communicates like that's really what it comes down to i suppose how, how the words that he chooses to use how he engages with everybody how everyone feels comfortable to talk to him um but he's still got that strength and we all trust he's created this trust a really strong trust and he repeats a question all the time he says do you trust me and we're all like, you know, on, on our legal wow. council. Yeah, we, we do. And that's, you know. That's, that's that's a word that's come all the way through this podcast right from the start. Yeah, yeah, it has, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. It, to me, I've learned so much just in, in the last few years of watching how he runs the mm. company really and talks to people and engages in the leadership team. The, every quality you described there is beautiful. And, and I think this is the challenge. And, you know, I'm not trying to make a political statement or anything here, but we are in a time where people are looking out into the world and questioning leadership mm-hmm. generally, globally. And those are the qualities that we want to see. But sadly, I don't think many people are seeing it. So we're, we're starting to look elsewhere for it. And if it's showing up in businesses like yours and other areas, I mean, even some great celebrities now, you know, we're talking about actors and actresses that are coming forward and making really bold statements about what they believe in yeah. authentically. I, I just think there's a definite shift in consciousness happening at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and those those are great qualities you described there. Totally, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I, that's one of my purposes in this in the business as well. I always say to you know my my team, there's never been more of a desperate need for leadership, like true authentic leadership. And this, you know, this our company is a, is a leadership program. That's what it is. It's ultimately it's a leadership program, and so you develop to become the best version of you. And the world needs that. We need we need people with platforms and influences. You know, influence that that have doing the right things for the world and stand yeah, for being good. It's, that is so true. And you said something which, you know, you, you passed over it because you were describing something and somebody might have listened to it and not picked up on it. But a statement you made there was making the tough decisions that sometimes no one else wants to make. Mm. And I think in any business, if you can get to that place where you are comfortable making them, even though they may not feel comfortable, uh, that really helps, doesn't it, in your growth as a human being and as an entrepreneur? Totally, yeah, yeah. It's having the, the confidence in yourself to make those decisions and knowing that you won't always be popular. And it's not about being the most liked human being; it's about doing the right thing for the greater good. I'm clapping. Yeah, I'm amazing. actually getting goosebumps when you said that because that I think that's one of our greatest challenges as human beings right now. We're in a world where everybody wants to be liked. Totally. Mm. And, you know, it's more about inspiring people than impressing. Uh, and I think that's something that you've done amazingly well during the course of this 90 minutes we've been talking, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, my God. It's gone quick. <laughs> and, and, and we've spoken about personal development, but if somebody wants a personal development hour and a half to start with, this has been a personal <laughs> development masterclass from Sarah. It's amazing. Sarah, um, before Hamid always likes to wrap up our podcast, I just want to say, We've got to get you back on. There's too much, Hans, we've got to get back There's on. Too much if you're up for it. I know, I know you're busy. Yeah. But <laughs> There's still, I mean, what we've typically done. So for our listeners that are brand new to us, you might be coming in for the first time. Harminder and I have only chosen a handful of people to come on as guests since we started. Right. We're, we're at somewhere like 10,000 downloads already. Yeah. We've pretty much designed and done this ourselves. So in choosing people to come on, it's been very, we've been very careful. And, and Sarah was one of those people early on that I, I wanted to bring on because of her qualities. And I think you'll agree that what she shared is absolutely inspirational. And I guess I want to 
ask you a final question before we hand back over to Harmindo is, are there any last words of wisdom for anybody listening to this saying, right, okay, I'm kind of pumped and I'm excited. I've got some great tools here and some learnings. What what are some of the steps that people can do next if they want to go out and build a business, get into network marketing, just do something for themselves, uh, make a change in their lives? What would be a few sort of pointers from you? Yeah, have courage. Like you, really, you don't have to have confidence to start, but you have to be courageous to to do things that other people aren't going to like in your life, you know, that other people are going to have opinions about. You have to be so mm. clear on what you want to achieve and then really get your blinkers on and just think, no, this is where I'm going. Like, it doesn't matter what anyone else is thinking or saying or doing around me because that's the reality. You know, the majority of people are going to be walking left and you've got to go right. You've got to mm. go the opposite direction to me to mediocrity. <laughs> so that's such so, a true statement. As, um, as clear as it is. And get yourself a plan, you know, get, get clear on your goals, get clear on your actions that you need to make those goals happen know that it's worth it like connect to what the ultimate outcome is going to be and think yeah this is so worth it. it's just so going to be creating the discipline and creating those strong powerful habits in your daily routines and, and absolutely find the hour to invest in yourself where you're doing affirmations visualization meditation reading a great book for half an hour just if you can just implement those few things and if you don't know what they are there's you know they're actually talked about in the success principles the book that I mentioned but get to grips with those and changing a lot of your subconscious programming that you might not even know is there and those things that are holding you back are absolutely you're able to change them and you have to change them to create success a lot of the time but first become aware of them and then go about reprogramming yourself to know that you're absolutely worthy of success and you can create what you want to create but you have to be willing to intentionally work at it every day Mm. That's an incredible... Uh, I'm not going to say anything else. Incredible that. final message. <laughs> now, for people listening, Sarah, who... Well, actually, if you're not going to go look up Sarah now, you are crazy. So, Sarah, where can people find you? Where's where's a go-to place that people can just discover things about you? Yeah, I'd say Instagram probably is the best place. I mean, I'm not <laughs> like Ro. I need some. Um, I need some. I need some training on social media from some millennials. to <laughs> 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 get better. You know, I'm constantly proving every day but yeah social media instagram is probably the best place to go i've got a facebook page too and amazing and what do they look up it's just sarah dunning uh, sarah dunning uk is my um handle is that the fantastic <laughs> okay so i will put that on the show notes so listeners at home growthtribes.com look up this podcast you'll find the show notes and you can get straight to sarah's instagram profile because without a doubt you're going to want to know who's the face what's the lifestyle what's the family like behind this amazing woman that we've heard from today oh thank you so much. now on that note i'm just gonna say a big thank you i don't, I don't normally say anything you, you you yes go for it i'm just gonna give you a hug sarah oh, thank you so much <laughs> amazing. Okay. And, and myself and sarah never met but a big hug from me virtually yeah, through this audio yeah, podcast so that's sarah dr Rowe, and myself signing out we shall see you on the next episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. And remember, this will be live on growthtribes.com and you can find all the show notes there also. Hello, it's Dr. Rowe here. Harms and I would both like to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Growth Tribes. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal level, on a professional level to help your life maybe even other people's lives, then we'd love it if you could take action on one of the following things. You can either simply subscribe so you don't miss out on any other great insights coming up in the future. You can share this podcast with close friends so they can also get the benefits of the tips and tools that we're sharing. 
or it would be amazing if you could give us a review and let others know just how great this episode was. And finally, if you do have a question, don't forget to submit it on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. Thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Rowan Harm signing out and we'll see you again on the next podcast.